What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Welcome back to Wellness Inc. I'm Dr. Mike Moreno, taking a deep dive into all things wellness after over 25 years of practicing medicine. I'm fascinated with anything and everything that can help you feel better, live healthier, and become the best you possible. I'll be interviewing the most cutting edge experts in the field of wellness and exploring new innovative technologies to help you live your best life. At the end of each episode, I'll give you my weekly RX, my top tips for you to use right away. Remember to subscribe for free, rate and review my podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Well, listen, I don't know about you guys, but we could all use a little forgiveness in our hearts, in our minds. And I will tell you, these next two gentlemen that we are fortunate enough to have are going to talk about something everybody listening has had experience with. In talking about the science of forgiveness and how it relates to our mental and physical health, Dr. Everett Worthington has defined, established, and led the field of investigation into the psychology of forgiveness for over 40 years. He's a clinical psychologist and author of over 40 books, mostly on the topic of forgiveness, marriage, and family topics. Not only is Dr. Worthington the academic expert on the topic of forgiveness, he has an incredible personal story he'll share that shows how he's taken this work to heart in his own life. Dr. Lauren Toussaint is a professor of psychology at Luther College in Iowa. He directs the laboratory for the investigation of mind, body, and spirit that studies virtues, especially forgiveness, and how these constructs are related to health and well-being. He encourages everyday forgiveness to build resilience and minimize stress in families, schools, healthcare, workplaces, and communities. He is co-editor, along with Dr. Worthington, of the book, Forgiveness and Health, Scientific Evidence and Theories Relating Forgiveness to Better Health. Without further ado, I want to thank you gentlemen for joining me because I feel very honored and I have a ton of questions for you guys. Thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah, looking forward to it, Dr. Mike. So, Dr. Worthington, we're, we're going to get to your story in a second. I'm going to start with you, Dr. Toussaint. What is forgiveness? What, let's just define it. We probably throw that term around all day long, but what is it? Well, that's a really good question, and I'm really happy that we can start there because understanding what unforgiveness is and what forgiveness is is absolutely key to what we do. And uh, thanks to the work of Dr. Worthington and many of his colleagues, um, we have a much better understanding of um, these two constructs than we did even just maybe 10 or 20 years ago. Um, the really interesting thing is that unforgiveness is kind of a collection of really nasty, caustic emotions that, um, you know, we feel when we've, when we've been hurt by someone, and these would be things like just simply being hurt or feeling betrayed, um, maybe holding resentment for someone or feeling immense anger or hatred toward someone who has hurt us. And of course, forgiveness is thought of as uh, an ability to let go of those things and hopefully replace them with more 
positive emotions, things like love or compassion or empathy. So fair to say easier said than done. Yeah, I think that's that's a safe, <laughs> I, I honestly that's a safe assumption. Yes. <laughs> I mean, this is a stressful process for people. I, I again, I'm speaking from my own personal experiences. And I think back of a story between my family. I'm one of seven. My brother, who I'm very, very close with, he's also a physician. Um, we got into it 20 plus years ago over a family thing. And I can't even believe I'm going to say this, but I didn't talk to him for a couple of years. Now, this is someone who I communicate with multiple times a week. And I think back when I was, when I was, you know, given this opportunity to be able to talk to you guys, I was like, wow, that was the first thing that came back to my mind was, man, I had this thing with my brother. So I, I guess it's fair to say that this sticks in our head. And even though we think, you know, eh, just let it roll off or don't let it bug you. That's, that's not how it's going to happen. I mean, how, how does this really affect and maybe talk a little bit about the stress behind unforgiveness? Yeah, I think what you identify here is something that we can all relate to. We all have, as you say, uh, Dr. Mike, one of those things, and some of us have multiple of those things. Um, they're really hard to get past. And it takes a lot of effort, frankly, um, to forgive. And in the meantime, while you're still holding on to unforgiveness, you end up experiencing more stress than you would otherwise. And uh, many people know about stress is kind of the experience of the fight or flight response. And it turns out it's actually more than that. There is that aspect to it. There is a, a sympathetic nervous system response that kind of revs you up and increases your heart rate and your respiration rate and um, does things like that to you. But there are other longer acting um, systems that, that uh, mediate the stress response. And these things operate through what we would call a psychoendocrine system where uh, what you understand in the world through your brain gets translated into the hormonal system in the body. And a primary mediator of the stress response in that regard is the hormone cortisol. And in both cases, um, forgiveness or lack thereof have been connected to both the uh, sympathetic nervous system arousing uh, our organs, as well as um, increased levels of these stress hormones. And so the bad news is here that the longer you stay in that unforgiving state, um, the longer you're going to ex experience higher levels of stress. And um, these stress responses, um, physiologically in particular, uh, have really uh, negative effects on our overall health and well-being. You know, it's it's funny because you bring up, not funny, but it's it's interesting because you bring up the the adrenal gland and the production of cortisol in the body. You know, we know... I tell my patients all the time, you know, there are a few things that affect your blood sugars when I'm speaking to my diabetics, exercise, diet, hydration, and stress. Stress increases cortisol. Cortisol can cause spikes in glucose. And you hear this all the time. You've heard it for years. Stress can kill you. Well, stress can kill you. It's not like it's, you know, something that, that happens, but I think the chronicity of stress when you carry it and it drives me nuts. Look, I'm stressed out now, <laughs> but it drives me nuts when you see these people who are just kind of, they seem unaffected by it. I almost don't believe it. You know, when you hear about people that tell you these stories and you're like, really? Because I would be like crawling out of my skin half the time. So for me, 
I, I, I think it's a big mental toll. And, and I think, I, I mean, I guess everybody's different, but maybe comment a little bit about the individual in terms of the mental impact, the physical impact, and perhaps even a combination of the two. Yeah, those are really good points. Um, I think you're right. Everybody's different. Um, you know, it's it's hard to predict who's going to respond in a particular situation um, and, and show a real strong stress response and who's going to be able to cope really well. And that's one of the interesting things about this area, of course, is that uh, not all people respond in, in similar ways. And, and because of that, we are really interested in understanding how things like forgiveness might be involved here, because it may be the case that people who are more forgiving, uh, maybe they don't struggle quite as much with the ramifications of stress. And in fact, that's one of the things that we studied uh, just a few years ago. We looked at a broad array of stressors. In fact, it's known as a life stress inventory. So it really covers a lot of ground. Um, and the territory that, that uh, it encompasses is really meant to, you know, uh, take in your entire life's uh, stressors. And what we found is that uh, very reliably stress is related to um, increased symptoms of depression. And that's no great surprise. Uh, we were expecting this. It has probably been demonstrated in, you know, if not dozens, probably hundreds or maybe thousands of studies by this point in time. That's just a very, very common finding that stress has a really negative impact on your overall mental well-being. The thing that we were unprepared to find was that uh, that was true, but it was only for people who had low levels of the trait forgiveness. Um, that got a little bit better for people who had moderate levels of the trait forgiveness. And people who had high levels of forgiveness showed no statistical relationship between stress and depressive symptoms. And to me, that seemed like a magic eraser. Um, right. it, it just, it kind of <laughs> stunned me. I was not ready to see that. I, I thought that there might be um, some benefit of forgiveness and a forgiving kind of disposition um, in one's life. And, and I thought there would be some benefits to that. I was not prepared to see it go um, in the direction that it did. And that was that the highest people with highest um, characteristics of forgiveness, they were entirely protected from the effects of stress on their mental health. Well, you know, it's interesting because when you talk about studies, you know, one of the things was that the number of studies that are being done over the last 20 years, the numbers, I mean, the numbers were in the late 90s, there were like 60 studies available. And then in 2005, there were a little over a thousand. Now, fast forward to 2020, there are 2,500 studies. So clearly, like anything else, things that become more relevant and present in our lives are studied and looked at more. So clearly, this is on the forefront for good reason. Let me ask you a question. And this is going to seem very uh, just trivial and simplistic, but I, I want a nugget and I want my the listeners to, to be able to, they're out there just trying to take all this in, I'm sure. Where would you get, where would you say someone starts? Let's say someone out there is listening and they're like, God, you know, I got into this fight with my brother a year ago and I'm still boiling about it. Where would you say, if you could give a simple sort of starting point, jump off point, where would you say you would go? Um, you know, Dr. Mike, if you're asking me, I would send anyone who 
was looking for a good starting point to my friend and colleague and longtime mentor who is on the screen with me right now. Um, <laughs> this this guy is, yeah, this, this guy is single-handedly um, uh, just, he has defined and developed and nurtured so many researchers. Um, I owe so much to him, and I know that he is the guy that has a lot of the available resources to help people. And I refer people to his materials all the time. Um, there's ample books and, and uh, resources on his website. So um, that to me is an important thing because as a psychologist and somebody who's interested in studying science and understanding these um, things from a scientific perspective, I trust the work of Everett Worthington and my colleagues. Um, and uh, so that's the, the direction I would go. I would point them toward the REACH model and, um, and encourage them to, to read up on it and practice it regularly. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Well, let's get into it because Dr. Worthington has been waiting patiently. And, and I got to just, you know, reiterate that these two gentlemen that we're fortunate enough to have today collectively collaborated on the book, Forgiveness and Health, Scientific Evidence and Theories Relating Forgiveness to better health. Like, who doesn't want that? Who doesn't need that? Dr. Worthington, first of all, thank you. And thank you both for, for being with us. At the beginning of the show, we talked a little bit about this. With all due respect, this is quite a story that that uh, you have. And I'm excited for you to hear this version. You know, I can read things on paper, but I, I cannot wait to hear and for you to share this this amazing story with uh, with our listeners. So welcome and thank you for being here. Well, thanks, Dr. Mike, and uh, I'm I'm really glad to be here with uh, you and with uh, Lauren, and uh, this is just an honor. So, uh, you know, hopefully this will help some folks. So Lauren said when I asked him the very important question, give me that nugget, that golden nugget, he basically pointed to you. So <laughs> I'm going right to it. We're getting some like right, right from the source information. So let's start with your story. And then I really want to get into what what I think, and and you know, Lauren mentioned it, the reach model of forgiveness, because we got to get some information out of this. But I really want you to share that story, if you could, with all due respect, and then we can sort of walk through this reach model and 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 let's get something out of this thing for everybody. Sure, uh, it was um, back in 1996 that this started, and. Um, I had been studying forgiveness at that point for about seven years scientifically and had been practicing it in a, a part-time uh, clinical practice for probably about 15 years before that. So um, I, one New Year's morning, my uh, brother called me from Knoxville, Tennessee and said, something terrible's happened. Mom's been murdered. Oh. 
and you, you've got to come down. And uh, so, uh, you know, my sister and I, uh, she lives in Richmond, Virginia, where I do. We drove down and got in the midst of this ongoing murder investigation. They took us over to the house. It was a really uh, terrible scene. The house that I'd grown up in was just torn apart. And, you know, of course, evidence of the a bludgeoning of my mom was uh, all over the place. Well, you know, by the night uh, we were in my brother Mike's back room, and uh, and uh, we were kind of sharing what we had learned from the police. And uh, it looked like, from their point of view, that it was a young man uh, or two, perhaps, that had broken into the house, thinking no one's home because it's New Year's Eve night and. The house was dark, no car because my mom didn't drive. And then he had been interrupted as he tried to to steal things. And uh, he was holding a crowbar he had used to break the window and he um, he bludgeoned her with it. So, you know, I, I remember getting so angry. I just I pointed to a baseball bat against the wall and said, I wish he were here. I would take that baseball bat. I would hit him in the head until he died. I, mean, I think that's a natural response that most people would have. Well, it, I would think it felt very natural to me at that time. You know, I, in fact, my brother, my sister and I were all just really upset. I said he wouldn't last 30 minutes if I got a hold of him. And my brother said he wouldn't last 10 if I got a hold of him. My sister said, well, I'd make him last an hour. <laughs> you know, anyway, <laughs> that night after, uh, you know, after that, I was up at my aunt's house and I was just uh, pacing and I just full of rage. I was just replaying this again and again in my mind. And I realized at about 3 a.m. that I needed to do something a little more productive. And so I sat down to try to reflect on my mom's life and write a, a eulogy. And um, and I, I kind of flash back to earlier that night and, and I thought, wow, that was not a great reaction on my part. I've been writing about, I've been practicing forgiveness for years, and yet I have not even allowed the F word forgiveness <laughs> to enter my mind <laughs> uh, up until that point. And so I, I started thinking through that reach forgiveness model, uh, you know, and the first part is to recall the hurt R. And, uh, and so I, I tried to put myself in the position of this young man out in the cold on New Year's Eve night, tried to empathize with what it might be like for a young man with poor impulse control, thinking he's going to get rich quick, breaking into this house, and then suddenly getting confronted by this uh, older woman that comes out of her bedroom behind him. He probably thought she's spoiling my perfect crime. He's angry. She, he's thinking she's looking me right in the face. I'm going to go to jail. He's anxious and afraid. And and he doesn't have much impulse control anyway. He's breaking into houses. He reaches out and he he strikes her. And um, you know, as I thought through that uh, from his point of view, I suddenly flash back to earlier that night and saw myself pointing at that baseball bat. Now here I was 
a mature, at that point, like 48-year-old man, a a Christian, a person who studies forgiveness, who writes forgiveness, who teaches others how to forgive, and yet I won't even allow the word forgiveness to enter my mind. Right, right. And I, I had to confront myself, and I said, whose heart is darker here? This this kid with the poor impulse control who's afraid, who's angry, or me. And I, I came to the uncomfortable conclusion that my heart was darker than his. And But I thought, but I can be forgiven of this. And if I can be forgiven of the darkness of my heart, then who am I to hold this against this young man? And I was able to give him at that point uh, an altruistic gift, an unselfish gift that he did not deserve. But nevertheless, I could give that gift to him and and then later commit to the forgiveness that I experienced and hold on uh, whenever I doubted. So, So that actually is just the practice of reach, recall the hurt, empathize, give an altruistic gift, commit, and then hold on, reach. So I have a couple questions. Yeah. First of all, amazing story. I I can't imagine you being in the car with your sister driving to that horrific scene. I can't imagine the conversation, the thought. I can't even begin to imagine and this this whole idea of this of the reach model of forgiveness of the of the, so we talked about recall empathize altruistic commitment and holding r-e-a-c-h of these five is there one that you think is the most challenging well there is and it's the most important and and it's to uh, try to empathize with the person who's hurt you and it's not just empathy because sometimes somebody does things so horrendous i just can't get into their their shoes right so really i can i can also sympathize i can say you know i feel sorry that they got to the place that they did i could feel compassion for them i i feel sorry for them i'd like to be able to help them in some way or i could even in some really unusual cases perhaps feel love for the person or if it's a partner that i have i could feel love much more easily so so that that second step of empathy which is also an emotional replacement of the negative, just like Lauren said, replacing those negative, nasty emotions with positive, other-oriented emotions. That's that's really the key right there. Yeah, I think a lot of people would be listening and thinking, I, I, and, and what I always hope is that when we, we ha- we're fortunate enough to have guests on the show to give their experiences and, and shed their, their work uh, to our listeners, People have to go back and think of their story, mm-hmm. right? What in their life has maybe had an impact? Now, I, I hope there aren't a lot of people, although I know that there are, who have experienced this unfortunate traumatizing experience that you did. But I, I would think people have to say to themselves, there's no way that I'm going to feel this empathetic, this this sort of, you know, altruistic feeling or be able to empathize with someone. I mean, how, where do you, 
how do you get someone started? I mean, listen, your partner threw you under the bus and said, listen, <laughs> this is the guy you go to. So I'm going to Lauren, I'm, I'm, I'm this blaming this on Lauren. So I'm coming to you and I say, you know, Dr. Worthington, how, how do I start to empathize? I, where do I start to, to do this? Yeah. I, you know, one of the things that we uh, get people to do in the groups that, uh, that, help people go through this reach forgiveness model or or the uh, do-it-yourself workbook. One of the kind of paradoxical things we start people on is remembering a time when they successfully forgave something really hard. You know, almost everybody can come up with something where they've succeeded at this. And if they come up with a success, that helps them kind of get started. But but still, this empathy is uh, is the key. And as, as you said early on, it's easier said than done. Right. It takes very little time to name the five steps to reach forgiveness. Right. But... You know, people don't start out saying, oh, I need to empathize. Okay, well, I feel really good toward this person. Right. No, 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 no. Right. Not at all. They they are having to work for two, sometimes three hours. And one of the uh, little exercises that is very effective, I'm sure many people are familiar with, it's an empty chair exercise where they imagine that the person who hurt them or offended them is in this chair right across from them. And they pour out their heart to that person. And then they get in the other person's chair and they, they talk back. And then they get back in their own chair and they talk to them and, and they go back and forth with a conversation. And there, there has been a, a systematic study of this by uh, Les uh, Greenberg, uh, who created a therapy called Emotionally Focused Therapy, and he has looked at just the effects of having these empty chair conversations, and people basically get one of two places with those. They either spontaneously come up with, I want to forgive this person, I understand them now, or they come up with the idea of, you know, I don't care. It ain't happening. Right? It's not happening, but that's okay. I can accept this and I can move on and still be authentic with my life. And it, it splits about 50-50 with people just going through those conversations. Now, if they've gone through this whole process, they're much more likely to end up with the forgiveness end of things than the, I don't care about this. But nevertheless, that's a good solution. There, there are many ways to deal with injustice. And it seems like it's just an ongoing process. Like you said, it's probably not an easy process to to succeed at initially. It's not like you can go back and say, ah, you know, he meant well, whatever it was, you know, I give up. Our minds don't work like right. that. It would be nice if we could. I think for a lot of people out there who are probably spinning their wheels right now, thinking of something that may have happened to them or, or a situation with an individual in their lives. It's an ongoing thing. And I almost feel as though you're, you're just always having to go back to one thing or another. Is that how it works? Or is it kind of like, okay, uh, you know, I recall, I emphasize, yes, I'm committed. And, uh, you know, it, 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 
can't be that easy. So it's an ongoing process, I assume. It, it is. And so we, we've we created materials that are absolutely free for people on my website. And, uh, and they're either downloadable do-it-yourself workbooks or their group participation manuals and leader manuals. Uh, these are, are are totally free. So uh, people can, you know, can work through those materials. And if they do it very carefully, it takes maybe six hours. And science, you know, has shown, and when I say science, I'm talking about 90 studies have shown that the more time people try to forgive, the more forgiveness they will experience, the less depression they have, the less anxiety they have, and the more hope that they have. But like you said, it's an ongoing process. So a person going through this for six hours doesn't necessarily get 100%. I'm totally there. So we have a two-hour version that people can kind of go back and do a, you know, a refresher, but without going through the whole six hours of thinking through this again. We do a little exercise of having people write a, a little word like I, got, I, would, I was betrayed and they write that on their hand and then they wash it off. And sometimes it goes away completely, but sometimes you can still see it. Right. So we right. go, well, so how do you get rid of it? And they go, well, wash my hands again. <laughs> there you go. You can go through this. You can do the big cleansing the first time, and then you go back and do the quick cleansing and get it, get rid of it. So what we're learning is that Dr. Toussaint was correct in his uh, referral of me and my question to you, because it's outlined very, very well from everything you just expressed. Of course, I was going to deflect and, and <laughs> take it back to Lauren and make it put him on the spot. <laughs> well, let's actually, okay, let's go with that for a second. Yeah. I, you've expressed a story. Lauren, is there, uh, now you guys have collaborated together for years on this subject. Is there something in your mind that stands out when you think to like, I share this story, you know, without going into detail with my family and my brother from 20 years ago. And, and to this day, when people say, you know, has this ever happened? I'm like, yep, it just, I don't even think twice. And I, and I assume with Dr. Worthington, very similar. So what about you, Lauren? Is there something that just stands out to your head, your go-to where you're lit? I'm still working on this. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you hit kind of an important issue here and that's that uh, some people may be listening to this and thinking, you know, I've never really had any kind of problems like this. And uh, I don't know that this really necessarily applies to me. I don't know how useful this might be. Uh, you know, I was kind of like that for a long time early in my relationship um, with Ev and the work that we did. I was really, I guess, more interested out of kind of a religious and um, uh, academic perspective. But uh, as we all know, um, these sorts of issues in life, oftentimes um, you don't avoid them completely forever. You might get lucky for, you know, it seems odd, but you might get lucky for a couple of decades and, uh, and you, you might roll through early parts of your life very easily. And some people don't, but some people do. Uh, I was one of the latter in which, you know, in my mid twenties, I thought this was really interesting stuff. And I met Ev and uh, we've been doing research on it, but um, over the last couple of years, yeah, there's been some things that have been really, really difficult to handle. And 
in particular, one of them is, uh, you know, an issue that happened at work. And uh, the unfortunate thing about workplace um, transgressions is that uh, in some spheres of life, if you have a really nasty falling out with someone, you can just walk away and, and never be part of that um, experience again. You don't have to see that person. But in the workplace, especially at a place like a college or university where people tend to work their entire careers often, you're stuck with it. And uh, that became, um, things became awfully personal for me. Right. And I think it's one of the interesting things is that even if you don't feel like you have any significant things in your life right now, I think it's safe to say you will. It's just a matter of time. I, yeah. I don't think anyone gets off this, uh, you know, or you know, gets off this without paying their fair, you know, share of uh, of hurt and pain. And um, it'd be nice if you could take the ride of life and not encounter these kinds of obstacles. But I don't see many people able to do that. Yeah, and and I think you're absolutely right. And uh, I mean, the information that we can get from you guys, and and it's it seems like this is something that you're just constantly trying to practice at. Gosh, I, I I know this is going to make me reflect, and I hope, you know, to the listeners out there, it also makes them reflect that there's hope. There is a way to get past this. And when you hear Dr. Worthington's story, if someone can get past that, then you can get past a lot of things in life. I thank you both for uh, for just your expertise and your knowledge. And, and uh, this has been extremely helpful to me, I know. Um, and I hope to the listeners as well. I mean, forgive is not as, as we said earlier, easier said than done. But if you have a systematic approach to doing it, which I think you guys have outlined very well, it may be a lot more approachable than we think. So where can my listeners find you guys? Can you tell us where we can, you guys mentioned a lot of these materials and a lot of these things. Can you just let us know through social media outlets or anything we can do? Where can we find you guys? I have a website. I uh, should be fairly easy to remember. Ev Worthington, that's E V W O R T H I N G T O N, Ev Worthington forgiveness.com. That's got pretty much a massive amount of uh, free material there. The only thing on it not free is books, and and that's because the publishers won't let me give them away. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> How dare they? And Dr. Toussaint, where can we find you? Yeah, I'm at Lauren Toussaint on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I have a webpage as well on the Luther College um, website. So those are probably the, the most convenient places for people to look. Excellent. Gentlemen, I, I can't thank you enough. Um, this time just flew. And uh, it, I, this, is, this is stuff that we all need. I, I mean, you think about the world and you think about where we are and and I mean, I could go on and on and on about why we need to forgive. Um, it could be a friend. It could be an enemy. You know, as Dr. Toussaint commented, it could be a colleague that you got to see every day. And that could be a nightmare if you let it fester. So uh, it's, a, it's work in progress constantly. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And now for this week's Weekly Rx. And, and, you know, the way I go about this in all transparency and honesty is just in listening, I always have a plan. And then like everything else, my plan, the wheels come off and I go a completely different direction. So I jot down these notes. I'm like, well, this would be a good tip. And this would be good. I, I honestly, there's so much stuff. But what I loved most that you guys expressed was start to remember success at doing this in your life. Start to remember at a time when you succeeded in forgiving someone. And I love that because I work with my patients every day who have lost weight or who have lowered their blood pressure or who have done a lot of these lifestyle changes, been successful at quitting smoking. And they succeeded at one point in their life with something that they thought they could never succeed with. So I think my tip of the day for everybody is to have have some faith in yourself, have some confidence in yourself that you've succeeded in many of the things that maybe you're struggling with now in your life in the past, you've succeeded before and you will and can succeed again. So gentlemen, thank you so much for for spending this time and, and shedding this so many great tidbits of stuff here. Um, that's it for today. Everybody, don't forget to subscribe for free, download and listen to Wellness Inc. with me, Dr. Mike Moreno on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and follow me on social media at 17 Day Diet. Thanks everybody, have a great day. The Wellness Inc. with Dr. Mike Moreno podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended as a replacement or substitution for any professional medical, financial, legal, or other advice, diagnosis, or treatment. This podcast does not constitute the practice of medicine or any other professional service. The use of any information provided during this podcast is at the listener's own risk. For medical or other advice appropriate to your specific situation, please consult a physician or other trained professional. Thank you.